0: Good morning. It's so good to see everybody. It's so good to be together in God's house. And uh, man, it's awesome to just uh, celebrate and worship the Lord. What a great worship set. Our team is so awesome and uh, just so thankful for them. Yeah. Um, You know, we've been talking about how we need to give the Lord the glory in all things. After a worship set like that, it's pretty easy to, right, in that moment, right? But, um, but at the same time, when we look at the things in our life, when we look at our plans that we have and realize that, boy, more often than not, they don't always line up uh, with God's plans, um, we can try, but his end game often often looks different than ours. And many times, the, the reason we have a tough time seeing past ourself is because of our sin and our selfishness and the way that we think doesn't always line up with, with God. And, it's, and it sometimes is hard to say this in all things because pursuing His glory instead of our own is not natural. You know, last week we got together and uh, had just a great day to celebrate as a church family all that God has done through, the, uh, through celebrating the, the new building and bringing us to this place, um, both literally and figuratively, right? This, this thing that we've been praying for for years. And to actually be able to walk in and walk through and stand in a literal answer to prayer was such an awesome moment and such a cool thing to be able to experience together. So like we're here, right? We're, we're where we prayed to be. Now what? I think this is the right question to ask. Now what? We're here, right? We did it. The building's done. We made it. God did it. And I truly do believe that we are just getting started as Connect Church, 100%. I believe that um, with, with all of my being. But now what? There's a movie that came out a few years ago. I'm sure uh, many of you have seen it. Some of you uh, maybe haven't, and this isn't necessarily an endorsement for the movie, but, um, but it's not not that either. Um, and a, uh, you know there, there was a really good philosophical kind of moment in in this uh movie known as spider-man homecoming and um it's a great movie um it really is but there's there's this moment let me set this up for you because this movie while it is called spider-man homecoming it's very much a story about peter parker and it's very much a story about this kid who's in many ways going through an identity crisis and figuring out who he is and with all of these powers that he's been blessed with or cursed with depending on how you want to look at it and and the resources that then he is given and there's a scene toward about the I don't know last two-thirds uh of the movie or last third I guess of the movie that um where where he's uh he's he's almost like completely messed up and, and a bunch of people almost died. Had Tony Stark, Iron Man, not shown up and kind of saved the day, he would have completely, I mean, it would have been awful. And in some ways it really was awful. And so he's, he's got this, this problem that's happened and, and Tony Stark basically has to bail him out or a lot of people would have died. And from Peter's perspective, the resources that he was given were called out on him. And I think there's some things that we can learn here for ourselves because he thought everything had to do with the suit. And that wasn't everything at all. Take a look at this clip. No thanks to you. No thanks to me? Those weapons were out there and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me! (laughs) If you even cared, you'd actually be here. I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you die, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes sir, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I, sorry doesn't I understand. It. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Okay, it's not working out. I'm gonna need the suit back. For how long? Forever. Yeah, yeah, let's No, no, orders. no, please, please, please. Let's Mr. have if it. You don't understand. Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it, okay? gotta sound like my dad. not have any other clothes. Okay, we'll sort that out. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Or, or maybe even another way to put it is in you don't deserve it. Peter thought the suit was everything. He thought the suit was the answer to his problems, to his failures, to his shortfalls. And so I'm just going to say it. If we think that this building and that building and the programs and the finances and the resources that we have is what brings us success, then we're missing the point. We're missing the point. But if our focus is on what as opposed, uh, is on what, as opposed to the why, then God can and will take it back just as quickly as he provided it. How are we defining Success. I think that's the right question to ask here. How are we defining success? Because I want to measure what God measures, and our goals should be what God's goals are. The resources that God has blessed us with are incredible. Absolutely. But they are tools to be used to bring him glory and to connect other people to Jesus. That's truly what they are. Success is not defined exclusively by attendance, by finances, or by buildings. If that's how we define success, we've got it wrong. Success in the kingdom community of God is defined by people connecting to Jesus, by people and each other finding their purpose in the kingdom of God, and then in turn sharing that with others. Spiritual growth, spiritual health. And so as we turn the page, both literally and figuratively, I want to turn the page in your Bibles as well. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've been looking through Ephesians chapter three. And as I was looking and preparing for this message a couple of weeks ago and thinking about, okay, now what, where do we go from here and all of that, I literally turned the page in my Bible from Ephesians three to Ephesians four. And God was like, there you go. And so I'm going to say the same. Let's turn the page literally and figuratively here. There you go. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter four for the next two weeks. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 4. If you've got the Bible app, um, you can feel free to, to follow along there. And chapter 4 actually gets into the practical steps of life with Christ. Chapters 1 through 3 are kind of the setup, right? They're, they're, they're the why. And now we're kind of getting into a little bit more of the what. We have to understand where we sit before we can walk. And so, yes, to him be the glory in all things. As we've said, understanding his love for us that is wider and longer and deeper and higher than we can possibly imagine. And because of him, not because of us. And so now what? And Paul begins to unpack that here as we get into Ephesians chapter four. So we're gonna start right at the beginning of the chapter, Ephesians four, one through three. This is what it says. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's a a really important statement that I want you to remember for the rest of this time. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So Paul's saying that there is a cause and effect relationship here between our knowing and experiencing God's love his transformative love for us and our love for one another, for each other, and how important that is. And if, and if we don't love others, but we claim to love God, then something is wrong here. Something is blocking the, ne- the natural flow of God. Like, like how a dam blocks the current in a river, sin will block the overflow of God's love into and out of our lives. John even talks about this in First John chapter 4. Look at this. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This makes so much sense, doesn't it? How do, how do we know that believers are believers? Their love for one another. We know Jesus said that. But this is also giving us kind of a, an, another way of looking at that as well. So let me ask you this question. Would you have put up with yourself if you were God? You know you better than I know you. Would you have put up with you if you were God? Yeah, me neither. Definitely not. Not to this point. I would have told myself to take a hike a long time ago a long time ago. Think about this question. How patient is God? All that in perspective. All of what you know about you. All of what you know about maybe even the people around you. All of what you know about the world in which we live. How patient is God? Good grief. More than I can imagine. Immeasurably more than we can imagine. And in light of that, we must extend that grace, that patience with others if we're going to live a life worthy of the calling. If we're going to live a life worthy of the calling, it's got to start there. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So a lot of ones here. We have unity because of what we share in common. That's really what unity does, right? We have a lot of amazing things in common as the body of Christ and each of these common areas of God are greater than any potential differences that we may have these commonalities overshadow those things okay so then how do we accomplish this how do we we land there and live a life worthy of the calling as he's starting to give us some things what's the plan what's the plan as we move forward practically this is what God has put in place so that the mission can move forward and be productive let's jump down to uh, verse 11 here jump down to verse 11 and here we go he says so Christ himself Christ himself that's an important thing gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ there's a lot here there's a lot here so let's break it down a little bit so Christ himself, we're getting into some practicalities here. And what's the first thing that he does? He gives four offices or positions within church leadership. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All right. Apostles, a, a way to look at that would be maybe ambassadors of God's work. There, there are people that, that are ambassadors of the work of, the work of God. Uh, prophets, those who speak with wisdom and discernment. And, and the, that is consistent with scripture. There are plenty of people within the body of Christ that fall into that. Evangelists, those who preach the good news of salvation. Pastors, teachers. That's, that's, uh, two, that's one office with like two titles in the Greek. That's, that's, remember, the Bible wasn't written in English, okay? And so those who shepherd the flock of God through teaching the word of God. So that's where I would fall in there. But there are also aspects of these that, that land in different areas and maybe overlap in a couple of different areas as well. But let me point out something, cause I could spend a whole lot of time just dissecting all four of these. And that's not really the point here. Here's the point, at least for my context right now, is that I want you to notice that he doesn't say, I give you money and resources and buildings to accomplish the mission. I give you stuff. No, no, no. Christ himself, he describes people and roles for people within leadership in the church. That's where he starts. That's where he starts right there because it's about people and it will always be about people. And in turn, he uses those people to give us incredible resources to go along with the leadership opportunities. So we gotta look at the, at the proper like hierarchy, the proper priority list here for God. Why? Why does he do it that way? to bring him glory, to bring him glory. That's it, for his glory. See, you are being equipped for his glory. That is why you are here. That is what the church, one of the main things the church is for is to be equipped for his glory. The body of Christ is built up and equipped to push people, other people to Jesus and unity with others within the body. And the resources that God provides that come along with that are, being, are simply there for us to equip each other and others as they are brought into the family of faith. They're simply for that to become more equipped for his glory. There, there are many reasons why the church of Jesus exists but if you were to kind of put them all into a few this, what I'm going to show you right now would be a good way to do that. Three reasons. Three reasons that the church of Jesus Christ exists. Number one to glorify God, to glorify God, or to exalt, to exalt God, to glorify God, which is why we sing, it's why we praise him when we come together, right, why we pray, why we offer prayer up to him, why we give, why we serve, it all glorifies God, it exalts God. Number two, to instruct, to instruct his people, or to edify That's another word for that, to edify his people, to instruct, Um, which is why we study the word of God, which is what we're doing right now. It's why we do this exact thing. It actually helps us to glorify him more because the more we learn about him, the more we know him, the more we know about him, the more we glorify him. So it kind of all, all goes back to him be the glory. And then the third, to connect others to Jesus or evangelize, to connect other people to Jesus um, to, to share the good news of salvation with him, uh, with, with other people. That's why we preach salvation. And that's why some of you that, that are here every single week or watch online every single week, you may notice I, I will give the gospel and an opportunity for someone to come to know Jesus every single week. Every single week I will do that and I will continue to do that because you never know who may be here who has never heard the good news or has maybe never had an opportunity to, to know for sure that when they leave this place that they're gonna be in heaven with Jesus one day. Maybe they've never had, maybe they've heard it a thousand times. You may have heard it a thousand times, but you know what else that does? Just a little behind the curtain here, the fact that I share the gospel and give an invitation every single week. You know what else that does for you, the church body? It equips you to be able to do it because you've heard me do it 60 different ways. It equips you to be able to do it as well and that's part of the intent because that's part of my job. So, I want you to notice that the principles here that you're looking at, these principles, if you, if you really like combine them together, the principles behind them are connecting people to Christ and community and purpose. It's like baked right into these three things. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Might have been intentional. Intentional contrary to what many people think the church does not exist primarily to evangelize I think a lot of times that's what we think that that's the primary function of the church is to evangelize it exists actually to build the saints to equip the saints so that they in turn can and will do the work of the ministry so who are the saints all of you pretty interesting. See, we believe, as these uh, core values say, one of our main core values says this, we believe that life change happens best in community. Life change happens best in community. It's one of our core values. In the book of Acts, we see clearly the early church hearing the apostles teach. They're they're having a meal together. They're hanging out, and then they're going out and, and turning the world upside down for the cause of Christ. They're doing ministry outside of the building. They didn't have a building necessarily. They met in homes. The church, that was the function of the church was, was to go out. Right? If you come from a church background, we have a tendency, as I do, we have a tendency to think that Christian service happens primarily at church. That that's where like, that, that's where all of the like, my Christian functions should happen here. At church and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with the functions that happen actually here but you know where the best ministry is done you know where some of the best ministry and and connecting with other people and and life change is really happening at the coffee shop the grocery store out having a meal with somebody hanging out with your friends maybe in your life group I like to say you grow better in circles than you do in rows we're all sitting in rows right now. Don't get me wrong. This is great. This is, this is an awesome thing and we should do this. I'm not saying we shouldn't do this, right? This, this is to equip and edify right now. But life change, that happens in community. That happens in life groups and Bible studies in those times where maybe it's just three of you and you're talking through a particular thing that you're struggling with in scripture. And you're growing in your faith in that way because you're bouncing off each other and, and, and the Holy Spirit's kind of speaking through each and every one of you. That's why life groups and, and those kinds of things are so, so important. It's, it's a foundational piece of connecting people to Christ, community, and purpose. Without that, we're missing one of the elements of the reason for the existence of the church. See, the goal is for us to build up, to grow, to mature, to be strengthened and, and to unify in the faith and knowledge of the Lord. So let me give you the simple equation. I don't really like math, so this is about as close as I'm going to get. Here it is B is greater than do. B is greater than do. Did I do that right? Is that the, did, I, did I put the little alligator mouth the right way? Right? <laughs> We need to focus on what Jesus is calling us to be as opposed to what he is calling us to do. That may not sound right to you, but I want you to think about it for a minute. Our priority list should be on what Jesus is calling us to be. Who he is calling you to be in him is more important than what he is calling you to do. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Our purpose isn't in what we do. Our purpose is found in who we are. And if who we are is defined by anything other than who Jesus says we are, then it's gonna fall short every single time. However, however, when we focus on being, being the church, being a follower of Jesus, the inevitable overflow of that will be doing the work of God. So being produces doing. That's the order that that should be in. Let's keep reading. Verse 14 says this, "'Then we will no longer be immature like children.'" We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. A lot of instruction there, a lot of things all coming together. So you've got this idea of legalism and liberalism. Legalism, a good way to define legalism would be uh, all truth and no love. I think maybe we know some people like that. We know some people who have caused maybe some church hurt with that. All truth, no love. <coughs> Right? Plant the flag. And then you've got the other side, the liberalism. All love, no truth. Everything goes. It's all love, y'all. Jesus isn't calling us to either one of those. Jesus calls us to truth and love. Dealing with people in love but never budging on the truth. That is what maturity looks like. That is where we need to continually pursue. That's the direction we need to continue to go. Maturity, if you want to define that word, a really simple definition of that word is this, full development, full development. That's mature. That's what that means. And that that brings us together in unity because if each of us individually are focused In our walk with the Lord, on full development with the Lord and being developed in the way in which He wants to develop each of us individually, because He's created us all individually in different ways for different purposes and different reasons, because God is an incredibly creative artist. And I love that. And we've all got different functions within the body, and it's awesome. But if we're all developing to be fully developed by the Lord, that's gonna unify us, because we're all gonna be unified in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And that brings us together because that is the mission. Because we're going to be focused on the mission fully developed. And that is what it's all about. And that's why the connection point today really speaks right to that. Because our purpose is to be unified in his mission. Our purpose is to be unified in his mission. And that is found, first of all, with us more focused on being than doing and letting who we are dictate then what we do within the body of Christ. And as we move forward, we must be unified. We must be connected in ways that matter to him. We must be connected in the ways that matter to him, unity in faith and in the knowledge of God, which means that our focus on the mission to exalt, to edify, to evangelize, to glorify God, to him be the glory, to instruct his people, and to connect others to Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Some of you have maybe never connected to Jesus. Some of you watching online, maybe even here, I don't know everybody's story. But I do know that God loves us so much and he loves us so much that he will speak the truth in love to us. He has spoken the truth in love to us. He loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay there. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you felt disconnected, today might be the day that you hear the good news of Jesus for, in, in a new way. Maybe even for the first time, that that God created you to be with Him. He loves you so much. He wants you to be with Him. But our sin, as we even talked about at the beginning, it keeps us from glorifying God in all things because it, it blocks the overflow. Sin keeps us separated from God. And there's nothing we can do about our sin. We can't remove it. We can't do great things to to move it. No matter how good of things we do, it's not gonna be enough. And, And so Jesus paid the price for you and for me so that we could have eternal life. And he did that for everyone, anyone. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. He died for you because he loves you so much. And all you have to do is accept that free gift of eternal life. And that can start right now. And eternal life can last and will last forever. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the way that you use each and every one of us. I thank you that your focus is is on the people, not on the stuff. I pray that we can be faithful as your body, as the body of Christ, Lord, that we can be faithful to the mission and that we can use the resources that you've given us to move forward and reach our community for you. I pray that we would see droves of people come to know Jesus through your people, utilizing the resources that you've given us. And Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you Savior, I pray today your Holy Spirit would speak to them and that today might be the day that they come to know you and that they secure their eternity with you. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much for all you've done and all that you will do. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.